the Swim Bros are back with a brand new episode. It is June 7th, Wednesday night, right before tip-off of the Cleveland Cavaliers game. Oh yeah. We are looking forward to game three on the Cavs' home court, trying to fulfill our predictions. Defend the land. Indeed. Of course, before we get into NBA playoff talk, we have to start with the subject matter of the podcast, a little bit of swim talk. We had a lot of big meets over the weekend. Fill us in on on some of the different locations and some of the studly events and races that went on. Yeah, so we had the Charlotte Ultra Swim in in North Carolina, an annual big meet there and a a great meet that's always hosted there as well. I miss it. I miss it so much. Yeah, great pool, great times, great memories in Charlotte, North Carolina. And then on the opposite coast was the Santa Clara Arena Pro Series. And that also produced some some pretty solid times. Nothing fast right now or too exponentially fast for most American swimmers, at least, because of the proximity to the World Championship Trials and about the end of at, at the end of this month in Indianapolis. Uh, also, there was a lot of club meets around locally for Ohio swimmers. And uh, that that kind of wrapped it up with the with the big big meets this weekend. So safe to say, this was kind of the last tune up for a lot of these elite swimmers before uh, settling down, maybe starting to taper for Indy. Yeah, yeah, there was. I think I think so. I, I think that's safe to say. Uh, I think it's far enough out where some people kind of maybe got a little bit of rest, slap on a suit, and get adapted to what they're going to be feeling come race time. I know that's what another meet that. Forgot to mention was at IU, some college athletes, big college meet there, and some pro swimmers there as well. So they were able to get their final tune-ups in, strategize, and hopefully execute properly at the end of this month. Yeah, and speaking of IU, since you mentioned it, a big hire for them over the weekend, taking Mark Hill uh, from Virginia, Flow Swimming. How about that? Yeah, that's it's definitely kind of a, a hot action. Maybe not a hot take, but formally at Michigan. So coming back to the Big Ten, going to a a big rival right now in the swimming realm of things, at least, with how competitive both teams are. But yeah, coming to IU, that's a huge sign for them. And they're not sign, addition, I guess, but it will, I think it will immensely help their team overall. Yeah, that coaching staff is becoming pretty formidable with uh, Ray Luz, Coley Stickles, and, and Mark Hill now, not to mention Mike Westfall as well. So, Joel Greenshield. Yeah, really, really something to watch over there in Bloomington. Uh, but taking us back to some of these weekend swims, what were some of the big highlights that stood out to you from across the nation? Well, I think the the top time that was posted was Blake Peroni. Uh, it's kind of staying at IU for a for a hot second with a one forty eight. Uh, Cody Miller had some good times. Ian Finnerty as well in the hundred breaststroke. So that was it was pretty neat to see them swimming so fast right now, um, especially in the in the hundred breaststroke. Uh, I think the most impressive swim on the men's side, though, did not actually come from an American. Came from Vlad Morozov with a 21.97 in the 50 free 50 meter freestyle, posting the number one time in the world, and uh, and that's just blazing. That's that's moving. So as a sprinter, Kyle, what what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, that was uh, that was definitely a fast swim. But I got to tell you, the events that really caught my eye were the hundred fly, where Caleb Dressel and Jack Conger squared off. And then also the 200 IM where we saw a tie between Michael Andrew and Jay Litherland. Uh, you get to rarely see that. It was a comeback swim for Jay Litherland on that last 50 and just a lot of fun to watch. Uh, what do you think of that race? Yeah, I, I thought it was going to be a great race. I was very surprised with how far ahead Michael Andrews was uh, out so quickly at the first 50, but his reputation kind of caught up with him a little bit at the end and same 
with Jay Lutherland, his reputation pronounced his actions, and he came back very strong. I know you didn't think he would chase him down, but I knew that Jay Lutherland had a lot left in the tank, especially on the freestyle, and was actually able to pull within a tie on Michael Andrews. So that was a great race, and definitely the U.S. is, is looking to be in very strong hands with a the basket full of candidates to fill in for Ryan Lochte and Michael Phelps here. And did any swims this weekend really change your outlook or change your perceptions of what might happen in uh, in Indy in, a, in about a month here? You know, I think it's it's besides Michael Phelps and Ryan Lochte not being involved in the World Championships. I think a lot of it's going to be just replication at this point from the Olympic trials. In my perspective, I think Matt Grievers has a better shot here. I think he's more locked into a hundred backstroke. I think he's really given it his all. And I, I think this could be kind of the retirement tour for him. Um, the last, last swim, last hurrah, maybe that'll give him, he's got the old man strength. We both know that goes more than, more than a long way in the world of swimming on these sprints. Uh, with Rocket retiring gives, gives him a dedicated swim. You know, I think he just got, he has a lot, lot going for him and, and might just be biased for me and Matt Grievers fans in this household, but, uh, I think he has a big chance in coming back from kind of an Olympic frustration uh, trial at uh, trials and uh, getting one or two in the hundred back. Yeah. So outside of some of those big meets, you had your own little tune-up meet. Talk to us a little bit about how you swam and and just kind of how it felt to knock the rust off and get in that mindset. Yeah. So I'd had two meets before this, and and last summer I'd kind of noticed that I went into trials without any meets, and I felt like that really really was not beneficial for me and, and actually was a, a reasoning for a lot of the lack of success I experienced at trials, I feel. And so this summer I wanted to get some meets in because I felt like I swam faster with every race last summer. And so far that has come come true. So this is my third meet, third tune-up and third, third and final meet before World Trials. And it went well. I didn't expect to do as well as I had thought for how broken down we are. Was able to post some really fast freestyle times for me, right around my best times and other events and lifetime best and some of the back, some backstroke, breaststroke off events. And it was really just a solid weekend to see what I need to lock in on come race time in about a month now. And uh, really just kind of boost my confidence overall was, was really the main takeaway I had from this meet. Just great to race some people. Yeah, and that's the name of the game, getting the mind right, getting the body right, and really getting used to racing people before you have to go on the big stage. Yeah, and we had up at OSU, the the counter meet in, in Ohio, we had some pretty fast swimming there from some very local swimmers, very young, Carson and Jake Foster. They uh, they lit the pool on fire up there, and, and they, uh, they had some very fast times, so shout out to both them. Um, also, just the OSU meet definitely looked like they had some college kids up there performing well, and it's always exciting to watch fast swimming. All right, so before we get to everybody's favorite weekly segments, let's take things out of the pool and discuss the NBA playoffs a little bit. Uh, it's been a quite a display from Golden State Warriors in Game 1 and Game 2 against LeBron and company. What have you seen that's really stood out to you so far in the series, and who are some key players to watch, uh, I guess, in Friday's game, since the listeners will not hear this until after Game 3? Yeah, well, I mean, depending on how tonight goes, I have high optimism for the Cavaliers tonight. Um, but the, I think honestly, the biggest thing I've noticed overall, and, and this delves into the NHL Stanley Cup final as well, is the home court effect and uh, the home ice, you might say, for the NHL that, uh, these teams have had. Obviously, we're coming back to 
or not we, but the NBA is going to the Cavaliers tonight, and that'll be their first opportunity to play at home. But at Oracle, I just felt like there is an overwhelming dominance of, of fan support, obviously, but just everything, nothing went for the Cavs morale-wise for the, the, the fans, and I just felt like it was overwhelming when anything would, even if they just get a foul for the Warriors. So I think that definitely affects the psyche of an athlete, especially in a team sport. And with the NHL, the, the Predators, they came back from, uh, two, two losses and the, the crowd support was just unbelievable. Never seen crowd support like that. Standing the entire warm up, standing the entire intro, standing the entire first period. And that was just, that was absurd to see. It was, it was neat to see. Yeah, that home field advantage is definitely something that can't be underrated. I think a lot of those elite level athletes pride themselves on being able to kind of filter out that noise uh, and, you know, not listen to the crowd. But subconsciously, you definitely have to be feeding off that energy. Uh, you know, when your team members are draining threes or you're just feeling the excitement, it, it definitely affects you in some way. So I, I as well look for the Cavs to take home a victory tonight, their first one of the series, with that home crowd behind them. Bold prediction. Yes, uh, I am I am with you on that. I think we need to see some better play from Tristan Thompson and J.R. Smith specifically. I've been really disappointed with Tristan Thompson's efforts thus far this series. Yeah. I think that's kind of been the X factor. And look for a big statement game from LeBron after a lot of people have been questioning uh, whether or not KD might be kind of taking, taking the torch, taking the... Uh, Best player in the NBA title away from LeBron. Yeah, yeah. I, I, a couple of notes off that. I, I think we, I think it was in game one, we, or game two maybe, we saw, we saw a dunk, pretty massive dunk from LeBron on a, on a, seem, on a kind of one on one fast break. And I remember it was, it was pretty excessive, pretty dramatic on his part. And you said, wow, that, that really silenced the crowd. And I, I kind of remarked back to you that, that really had minimal effect almost. And I felt like something like that will have a huge effect at Cleveland, but it, I felt like it really did mean nothing at Oracle and just simply wasted his energy. I feel like they're, they're on a sprint right now and the Cavaliers need to slow it down, take their time and just chip away at the Warriors. Yeah, we'll see. I, I definitely never want to count out LeBron. Uh, I, you know, I think I was a critic of him back in the day, but he has definitely earned my respect, as with most people. You can tell he's a bit chippy. He's been a bit sassy in his interviews with reporters lately. Mm, yeah. uh, he definitely has a big, uh, big chip on his shoulder that I think he's going to come out and prove some stuff tonight. So him and Kyrie should, should both light it up. And I expect the Cavs to win really by double digits. Wow. Yeah. That's my bold prediction for tonight. How about you? Uh, I think they'll just get the W. I'm not I'm not bold enough right now to say whether they'll win by double digits or something hey, asinine like that. Got to risk it to get the biscuit. I guess you do. So that's what KD did and uh he's he's prospering right now. All right. Uh so moving on to our weekly segments, we will keep this one short as well. Let's uh let's start with you like that. Uh, what what do you like this week? Well, Grant, there's plenty to like this week, but I think if you're a local listener in the great state of Ohio, and more specifically Cincinnati, you have to like Scooter Jeanette, the famous now Reds left fielder from last night, where he scored a total of 10 RBIs. 
for the team. He Ooh-wee. He hit four home runs, one of which was a grand slam, um, and just all around had one of the most impressive offensive performances in the history of Major League Baseball. Wow. Yeah, so four home runs, 10 RBIs, really uh, quite a spectacle. We got to see at least the last at bat where he came up after already having hit three home runs, knowing exactly what was on the line, and he just busted another one right out of the park. So uh, I got to say that's that's my you like that for the week. It's well-earned. Yeah, definitely well-earned, as well as number four from Brandon Phillips, the former former number four on the Reds, who sparked some controversy when he said that he wanted his number retired. But uh, look who's talking now, Scooter yep. Jeanette. Good old Scooter. How about your you like that for the my week, My you like that this week actually comes... In the water, and it's a Marlin swim clinic we had today. Uh, so this morning after practice at Keating Natatorium, we had a stroke clinic for freestyle for some younger younger swimmers and anyone in general who just wanted to kind of learn some basics of freestyle. And it was just great to work with younger younger swimmers and and be able to help teach them and just just work with them, just help educate them and and be better swimmers overall. So I always enjoy doing that. And it's always it's always a good feeling when you walk away from doing that. Yep, fun to give back after all that the uh, community here in Cincinnati has given you with your four years of swimming. Yeah, so absolutely. Good to see you out there trying to help the young kids uh, refine their technique in the pool. And that's actually a great segue because we're talking about kids in the pool. And this leads me to my hot take for the week. Hot takes! For any of our listeners that are also big-time Twitter users, you may have seen a recent post from Ryan Lochte where he showcased a video of him doing an underwater 75 challenge at the end of a tough workout and kind of in a bragging fashion said, oh, you know, look at me. This would have been so much easier if I did it at the beginning of the workout, whatever. Regardless, I thought it was a little bit short-sighted to post a video like that, knowing how many young followers he has. Some uh, that are not necessarily elite swimmers or have the experience in the pool that someone like someone like Ryan or you know someone like yourself might have. That you know you know your limits when you're pushing the underwater swimming, and and I understand that's a a training tool for a lot of teams, a lot of swimmers out there. But for inexperienced swimmers or swimmers that are not under supervision, that kind of underwater challenge stuff can be a very, very dangerous uh, activity. So I have to be that guy this week and call out Ryan Lochte for uh, irresponsible behavior. I don't think that was a great decision. A lot of people say, you know, that's just uh, that's a wimpy take to, to say that or whatever. But I, I got to say, I got to go with it. I'm going to be that guy this week. What do you think? Yeah, I, I mean, I think your point about it being kind of worrisome for younger athletes, especially is, is definitely duly noted and, and a very good take. Uh, I think it, it definitely shined harm into that aspect when it came out as the same day as Bob Bowman releasing clinic for water, water awareness for young swimmers and, and children as yeah. well. Drowning prevention, yeah. shallow water blackout. Yeah. Awareness. And uh, something like that nature of such hypoxic demand Definitely in the category of um, blackout uh, possibilities, high risk there. And uh, while Ryan Lochte is an Olympic professional and professional athlete, um, it, it only takes one time for anyone to mess up or push it too far where even the, the best can um, – something drastic can happen to the best. So it can happen to anyone, 
And uh, Mr. Lochte needs to be more mindful of that. Yeah, and Grant, before we move on to your own hot take, some other news about Ryan Lochte that came out this week. Uh, he reportedly had suicidal thoughts after the incident that occurred in Rio. That was revealed in a recent article, I believe, in ESPN. What What was your reaction to that? Were you surprised to hear that news? I know I certainly was kind of uh, taken aback when I read that. You know, I, I, I saw the article... And I was I was kind of surprised he came out this late and this far past the event about it. But I mean, I, I guess it still just shows how prevalent it is on some people's minds when they talk about Ryan Lochte. But I think, in, in my view, I think many swimmers have very dark moments in their career, whether it's after a poor performance, um, just trainings getting to them. But I think a lot of swimmers... Uh, have had dark moments in their career, and unfortunately, this reaches into the darkest of moments. And I think it—I—it's I, not good that he had this, obviously, but I think it's important that it's brought to the forefront of the the public that everyone has these thoughts. It's not just one person, but it can happen to anyone, even even the people at the peak of the mountain, even at the top. Yeah, it's so shocking when you hear these elite athletes that you know, have won gold medals and have had all this fanfare and acclaim that they, you know, also struggle with dark moments. And, and uh, I think we've heard this now coming from Ryan Lochte and, and Michael Phelps. And we know Allison Schmidt, we know many other swimmers that have dealt with depression and, and other issues like that. And not just swimmers, but, you know, other athletes. I remember Ronda Rousey had a, a similar article that was released earlier on. So definitely shocking news there. I just wanted to call some attention to that before we move on to your own hot take. Yeah, so my hot take stays in the pool as well, and it's actually it's actually kind of a, a it's a very hot take for me because you doubted me on this. And uh, recently, I I brought to your attention that the United States of America has no top twenty five ranked male swimmers in the two hundred freestyle. And I wanted to get your thoughts on this. Are you alarmed? Is this surprising? What 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 are you feeling right now? Uh, my first reaction and my reaction still right now is that you should probably go fact check that because mm. that's well, we're very hard do that. for me to believe we're gonna with, do that. Uh, the likes of Connor Dwyer and such, some of the great 200 freestylers that we have here. And when's the last time we lost a 4x200 relay at any major meet? I can't even remember. Uh, it just seems like that's an event we have dominance in and it's very hard for me to buy the uh, notion that we don't have anyone in the top 25 right now. Well, buckle up. Because we're going to get ready for some bad radio on this hot take. We're going to go through all 25 okay. of these ranked swimmers. Strap in. Bad radio. So starting at the top, Sun Yang, 144. That's the that's the top. So second, Park Taiwan. Third, James Guy. Duncan Scott. Gabriel Dati. Shun Wang. Mac Horden. Chad Leclo, Chow Con- Kyle Chalmers. Mm, easy for you to say. <laughs> uh, Macaulay Dova. Galiuk, Nato Irha, Callum Jarvis, Donis Raspies, Peter Timmers, Kasuke Hagino, Alexander Karashka, Danali Izatov, Nicholas Granger, Jack Cartwright, Jeremy Stravis, Filippo Magli, Alex Graham, Jordan Sloan, Felix Albeck, and Max Lunchfield. So obviously those are a little bit, some of those yeah, are a little bit easier. Didn't easier. sound like American names. Yeah, so. That was that was enough to um those are the top twenty five and match Lynchfield rounding it out with a one forty seven forty eight. And so I think that I I'm not, in my personal opinion, not nervous at all. I think that's that's fine. We haven't had a big rest meet really, a big focus meet, 
and that's coming up in a month, and I think this will drastically change in a month. So if it took a 147, what right now is about the fastest American swimmer, and who is it? I think right now, it's it, after this weekend, it was um, Blake Peroni and uh, Connor Dwyer. I think they're both... They, 148 range? Yeah, 148 range. I think uh, Gunnar Bence is in there, 149 as well, Jack Conger. So we got some. We got a lot of guys real close, and I think coming off of really heavy training and going those times really bodes well for what they'll be able to do when they're rested. Well, that's absolutely shocking to me. Um, it's still hard for me to believe after having heard those names. Yeah. And uh, all I can really say is that I guess it's a good time to be a 200 freestyler in America if you're an upcoming uh, rising star. Hey, I'll buy it. And I will say that it does alarm me, even though you say it's wow. not alarming for wow. you to have no one in the top 25 at this point. That's... Uh, I think that raises raises some red flags in my book. Yeah, I mean, you, I'm, you look at the meets that they did these at. You got the Japan Open, you got Russian Nationals, you've got the French Elite Championships, Italian Nationals, Irish Open, um, the British Swimming Trials, Asian Swimming Championships, Chinese Nationals. So it's all these national meets. I mean, that they're going to be resting for and and fully preparing for. I think at this point, and and it's much earlier. Some of these are in April and uh, March, February, and so I think they've had a lot of time to come off these meets, obviously, and get tons of tons of hard training in, and so I think they're able to come down a little bit more than maybe some of the swimmers this weekend, so I um, definitely see where you could be um, worried and why there is reason to be, but I, I think it's I think it's in good, good hands right now with the U.S. Well, I guess time will tell. Uh, Grant, we will wrap up this episode with our New segment that's just gaining notoriety all over the world, uh, Hot in the Streets or A Millennial Explains. We still don't have a title. And this week, we're going to go through the phrase or the term Gucci. What does it mean if somebody says, we're Gucci or you're Gucci? So if you're really having difficulty with this one, what I found works best is, is really just focusing on that, that first, that first letter, G. Correlated with good, Gucci good. Okay. When you are Gucci with someone, you are you are really good. You're in you're in good standings. Everything's working out right now. And uh, like on the podcast, when we're doing a podcast, we're Gucci. This podcast is Gucci. Okay. So I, it's it's kind of a compliment in some parts, but I mean, you obviously can say we're not Gucci right now, and that's that's when you know things are going bad. And so, what is the origin of this term? Because I know there's a rapper out there named Gucci Mane. Yeah, I know there's yeah. a designer clothing line called Gucci. So, tell me, where does this come from? Why should I know that this is equated with the word good? Yeah, you know, some might say it's, it originated from Gucci Mane. But, you know, some might say it's from the designer. It's it's really wherever your preference lies. Okay. I feel like a more positive connotation comes from the the clothing line Gucci Rather than Gucci Mane. But okay. you never know. You never know. So, Gucci Mane likes to keep it cold. Burr, burr. Origins unknown. I don't know what that reference was either, but maybe we can talk about that next week. Uh, just for all the adults, Gucci means good. good. It's a good thing. It's a compliment. If somebody says you're Gucci. Don't be offended. Don't be offended. All right. Thanks for clearing that up, Grant. I look forward to next week's pod. And in the meantime, enjoy the NBA playoffs, and watch out for our X-Factors that we talked about tonight. Absolutely. I'm looking forward to a Gucci game. Yes. All right. Let's stay lit. Let's stay Gucci. W Lou. And uh, that'll be it. Keep it 100, everybody. Ow! R.I.P. Hurrah.
Jellyfish, jellyfish swimming in the sea. Jellyfish, jellyfish swimming in the sea. Float like a butterfly, sting like a bee. Why won't you come and play nice with me? I could take you to the bar, I could take you to a bar. 